Hello, and welcome to Cali Formula One, Episode 7. Uh, this is me, Jojo Joseph, coming to you after a phenomenally fun Spanish Grand Prix. Now, for typical Grand Prix, maybe this might not be the best one, but for the Spanish Grand Prix, it was actually a pretty good race. Uh, this race, uh, the circuit is known for uh, not being friendly for overpassing, uh, overtaking, um, and quite frankly, a little bit of action. Uh, so today was a pleasant surprise for uh, most of us Formula One fans. Um, we're coming to you uh, from San Diego, California. Uh, thank you to all the new subscribers we've had over the last couple weeks. Uh, we're really taking off quite well, and so shout out to everyone around the world uh, who's listening in. Uh, we appreciate your support. Make sure you uh, tell your friends to subscribe, uh, both on Apple and on uh, Spotify. So we're going to dive right in. Uh, we're going to go over the race. Uh, you know, as Lewis Hamilton winning, Max Verstappen coming in second, Valtteri Bottas at number three. Now I know what you're saying. It seems like that's always the case. You're right, it is. It seems to be that is the case, but there's a lot more going behind it. Uh, coming into this race, people weren't quite sure what strategies both teams or all any teams would do with uh, one stop, two stop, uh, and a lot of them were saying it was just going to be reactive. And it was those reactions uh, to other teams' uh, performance, which is really what dictated this race. And we got to see Lewis uh, and Mercedes uh, react in a way that, you know, it looked like they had plan A, plan B pretty set, and their reactions to Red Bull uh, enabled them to take the win. Uh, Red Bull, on the other hand, uh, made reactions that ultimately may have cost them uh, quite a bit. I, initially, I thought Mercedes had actually made a mistake, uh, especially with Max making a bad pit stop, um, you know, which is not typical for Red Bull. Uh, and I thought Mercedes made a mistake by not capitalizing on it, but it turns out that they had a pretty good strategy anyway, uh, going with a two-stop, a surprise two-stop, uh, that allowed them, uh, with the car they have, the pace they have, and of course the drivers they have, uh, to ultimately come out on top. So we're going to kind of go back, because we've got a lot of positive feedback on the uh, winners and losers aspect of it. We're going to kind of go through everyone, uh, talk our way up, and, uh, and uh, kind of go over the field and just kind of recap the race. Uh, we're not going to go into Monaco for next week, uh, just because, or in two weeks, we're going to do a, a special one-off Monaco preview. It's one of my favorite races. I got to go there a couple years ago, and so I really enjoy that uh, that history and the track. So we're going to do a little special episode on the preview for Monaco. So we're just going to dive into this uh, this uh, this race and kind of. Uh, leave off, uh, you know, uh, with just Spain today. So going in, uh, you know, the big winner, Lewis Hamilton. I mean, this this guy is showing why he's the greatest. I, it seems like I'm saying that every single week, but yeah, it was pretty good. Now he his start of the race was not very good. You know, he was on pole position, his 100th pole position, which was a pretty amazing feat in and of itself. Uh, but uh, right off the bat, um, yeah, he got pushed aside uh, pretty fast uh, by Max Verstappen, who had an amazing start to the race. Uh, now, that being said, you know, what we expected, what I expected, what a lot of people expected, you know, going in, you know, Max gets that one to two second advantage. And then what usually ends up happening, especially in, in Spain, is that one to two seconds turns into one and a half, two and a half seconds, three seconds, four seconds. And next thing you know, the, the race is effectively over. You're not catching up because what ends up happening is you expend so much energy, you wear your tires out. Uh, trying to just make up that pace and you don't have that pace and essentially you end up falling back further and that's what I thought was going to happen and that's not what that's not what happened at all. Lewis managed to stay very very close to Red Bull 
Um, you know, um, he didn't quite get into DRS range initially, uh, but he was able to really just kind of <laughs> keep pace with with the with the Red Bull, kind of forcing their hand a bit. Uh, to the point where, you know, Max had to use those tires a bit more. He didn't get to relax, his, you know, or take it easy, take a, you know, slow down a little bit. And, uh, you know, that kind of changed the strategy for both teams. Uh, I mean, this this really comes down to the fact that, like, him being able to keep the pace with Red Bull was a pretty phenomenal uh, achievement. Uh, I know he's had a lot of great racing, and people who are true fans of racing will sit there and say, like, yeah, he does these spectacular things, but that, that was one of them. So, um, you know, obviously once he took that race or, or took that place, you know, he was able to do a good overpass after a second pit stop, um, you know, and just at that point you saw the gap just kind of expand and Red Bull decided just to go for a fastest lap at that point. Um, you know, Mercedes strategy is a winning strategy. You know, uh, I when Max had a pit stop and that pit stop was a four-second-plus pit stop, which is really, really out of whack for Red Bull. They usually have two, two seconds and sometimes even sub two seconds. They are a really good pit stop team. Uh, and when they had that really bad one, I thought Mercedes should have sent Lewis Hamilton in right away and he would have had the lead. Um, that didn't happen. And they kept him out on the tires. They built it up. And it turns out that was a better strategy anyway, just because when Max came out and started uh, got back into the lead and started racing ahead, Lewis changed out. The, uh, the tires was able to race and close that gap and then was able to pit stop a second time at that point. Red Bull not pit, not taking the pit stop, um, you know, um, really cost them. At that point, it was over, and they knew it. You know, Max t- afterward was talking, oh, my gosh, yeah, it was over the minute they, they did that second pit stop. Um, but that being said, we're, we're putting Max in our winner's column anyway just because, wow, you know, what what a great uh, what a great race for him. That, that start was beginning. Uh, I know I said, you know, like a lot of people were saying, it's always going to be Lewis, Max, and Valtteri at the top three. But compared to last year, I mean, we really need to take, you know, take focus on the fact that last year was clearly Mercedes ahead and Max kind of struggling to get up to the speed with them. He's in the mix now. You know, there is no, you know, oh, man, the first two Mercedes spots are going to be, you know, set in stone. And then the third spot is going to be Max. He's in the mix. And so, you know, and this, this race shows that he's in the mix. Uh, yes, the Mercedes car had great pace, but the pass that he had, you know, uh, you know, on Lewis at the beginning of the race, the qualification times he's putting in, uh, he's a man on a mission. He may not get to that mission this year, but, uh, you know, you can't help but be impressed with, with what he's doing. Uh, but kind of moving forward with Red Bull, yeah, their strategy wasn't that best. It was definitely reactive, as most teams were very reactive to what was going on. Um, you know, after that bad pit stop, you thought, you know, okay, Mercedes didn't capitalize, they'll be fine. Uh, but once Mercedes pulled that two-stop strategy, it seems like Red Bull got caught with a little bit of their pants down, uh, not knowing, uh, almost seemingly conceding the fact that their car wasn't going to win uh, and instead going for the fastest lap. They did get the fastest lap, but I'm still putting them in the loser's bracket just because when it came to strategy, they definitely did not have that today. Um, and the other person we're going to put in there is, is Sergio Perez now. Sergio uh, ended up finishing eighth in this race, um, and you know, compared to Alex Albon, I said this very clearly the last couple times. He's no Alex Albon. You know, Alex struggled really badly. Um, Sergio is not struggling as much as him. But that being said, another thing that affected uh, the strategy of Red Bull adversely was the fact that Max is on his own. The two Mercedes are at the top, 
and that really, really changes things. Um, we're going to get to Valtteri in a second, but the fact of the matter is it's good to have that second car up there. You could use it for blocking, defending. You could use it you know, to do the undercut, which completely changes the strategy because now you have to worry about two cars as opposed to one. So really, you have you know the Mercedes car saying we're only worried about Max, where Max has to worry about both Lewis and Valtteri. It's really not fair to Max, and that really goes back on Sergio. So, you know, while he's getting results and he's he's up there in the standings, um, he's also really not doing what they need him to do, which is be the the number two guy, but also be competitive in the top four. And that's going to be something that um, he really needs to get working on. He's he's number six in the standings right now. Again, it's not bad by any stretch. But Red Bull really needs him up at the front. They need him to be, you know, competing for a podium um, uh, much more than he has been. So they have their work cut out for them um, relative to getting him up to speed. Uh, not the end of the world by any stretch of the imagination, but, yeah, they, they really, really need to, to get focused and, and get him uh, back on track. Um, and then moving on to another person, not putting in the loser's bracket, who ended up on the podium, uh, but uh, and that's going to be Valtteri Bottas. Uh, Valtteri... Um, really, you know, again, he's up there, which is good, unlike Sergio. But that being said, you know, coming in, if you watch Drive to Survive, he wanted to be competing for a championship, and he really wanted to get stuff done and everything like that. Um, and he's kind of showing that he doesn't quite have all that, um, you know, and, and that's kind of rough, you know. I mean, here, here's a guy who, you know, has the great car, but when you see, for example, you know, he doesn't have the pace that Lewis has. He's not, cut, you know, getting those uh, corners cut, you know, um, you know, shaving time off here or there as much as Lewis does. You know, he doesn't drive through dirty air. So that's the big thing with Valtteri is that Mercedes car is amazing. But when he gets stuck behind someone, he stays stuck behind him. It's hard for him to pass. Whereas you'll see Lewis start shaving people down. Even this, this one where, you know, once he got to Max, you know, people were saying, okay, well, he's going to get stuck in that dirty air He's not going to be able to close the gap. He closed the gap anyway. Valtteri doesn't do that, you know. And he had a bad start to begin with where he lost a place to Charles Leclerc. And so he had to overcome that position as well. So he got, you know, right off the start. And he even said, I didn't see Charles, which at the beginning of the race, you should be able to see him. <laughs> you know, you should be able to look around and see who's around you because that's when the most traffic is around you. Um, so, you know, I'm chalking it up that he didn't have a good weekend, uh, regardless of his, his points position, regardless of, where he's sitting in the standings, uh, he needs to do a better job. Both him, him and Sergio, respectively, need to do better jobs as teammates, but also as competitors. Uh, you, you really do need to see that. Moving on uh, to a, a man who uh, finished right outside the podium, but you really can't fault him for this, uh, you know, uh, Charles Leclerc, uh, coming in in the number four spot. I mean, he, he started fourth, finished fourth, fought off a few people, ended up in third for a second, uh, but didn't quite have what it took. To finish on the podium, but that being said, he's got to be pretty happy. Uh, Charles, um, you know, in the Ferrari, overperforming. Carlos, too, we're going to put in the winner's column. Ferrari in the winner's column, um, they're overperforming at this point. They're they're in the in the mix. Um, you know, are they going to be able to compete with say a um, with a McLaren? I don't know. Maybe uh, we'll see. Um, at, at, you know, to the point where you know they're not too far off the pace. I think they're only five points. Behind McLaren, but McLaren is getting some pretty good results, and we'll get to them in a second. But back to Ferrari, um, yeah, the, the, these guys look really, really good. They have the pace. I don't think they have podium pace, but 
um, they're going to have to try to get that in order to you know keep up. Just because McLaren in himself is looking really really good, so we'll see what happens with them. I mean, I, I I'm I'm feeling pretty good about Ferrari and and what they could do. Um, uh, you know, going into Monaco again, they should have a pretty good uh, run of things. So we'll see what happens. I, I'm, I'm pretty confident that they'll be fine. Another team that's going to be in our winners column is going to be the McLaren team. Uh, Daniel Ricciardo uh, had a great race. You know, he, he he's ended up in sixth place. Um, you know, and obviously he's going to want to do better than that. You know, he's a pretty competitive guy. Lando finished in eighth, the eighth spot. I wouldn't say it was, you know, he showed a br- flashes of brilliance. He might be a little bit disappointed, but overall with McLaren, I mean, they're the only team to have both drivers finishing the points every single race so far this season in all four races. That's good. They're the only ones to do that, and that shows a remarkable consistency. Uh, that consistency is going to take them places. Um, the biggest issue was Daniel, which Daniel was having issues um, getting adjusted to the car. There was talk over uh um, between Portugal and Spain saying that, you know, it seems like the, the car drives differently um, in certain areas than his, uh, well, now Alpine, but Renault did last year. Uh, so that was the issue was that he was, like, kind of shifting in the wrong spots and not doing the right, uh, not understanding the car correctly. I, I'm not too big on technical stuff, but uh, it seems like he started to get it figured out. Um, he had a really good race. Uh, he was threatening there for a little bit, but... Um, he also held off a few people, so pretty happy with him. Uh, Lando, you know, I, I, he's just consistently driving good. You know, comparative to a couple other races where it's a little bit higher, yeah, maybe he's not happy with it, but I'm still happy with what he's been doing. Uh, you know, you can't really knock knock him on, on what he's been doing. Um, but that being said, um, you know, there's other cars or other teams that were, that were meant to uh, compete, and they're not competing really as well. You know, Alpine, you know, you could sit there and say that they have a lot of positives going into this week. But when you look at what happened, you know, uh, you know, uh, Esteban Ocon qualified fifth and Fernando qualified tenth. Esteban ended up uh, in ninth and Fernando all the way down in 17th. So, you know, they did not have a good race. Now, that doesn't mean their season's over or they stink or anything like that. And we're not going to put them in the Aston Martin category. Um, but... The pace is there for both of them, um, but it just seems the strategy isn't quite matching up. Again, this race had a lot to do with strategy. Uh, it also seems like a lot of sometimes they're really not quite at that hump. Um, you know, so the expectations after qualifying were really high for them. They didn't meet those expectations, so that's why I'm putting them in the loser column. I, you know, I, I don't think they really should feel too bad about themselves because there's still a lot of positive going on. Uh, but that being said, you know, they still have a little bit of work to do uh, to get where, where they need to go to. A team that's really was banking on doing well and didn't uh, was Aston Martin. We're putting the team in the loser column because, uh, you know, they were supposed to have upgrades and updates that were supposed to help them get over this hump. These new regulations, as I mentioned last week, have really, really hurt them. Um, but now to see them uh, put those in, come out, and then just not have the pace is pretty bad. I am putting Lance Stroll in the winner's column. He didn't finish in the points. Um, he actually finished behind one of our losers. But Lance has been doing very consistently uh, good driving, which is good. I mean, a lot of people ragged on him uh, because of how he came to Formula 1, which really is not that big of a deal. Um, but he's really shown a lot of improvement. He's really keeping um, his, his wits about him. He's learning. He's getting better and better. 
Uh, and this race was a good race for him, I think. Uh, I think he did really well. Sebastian finished 15th. Um, I think uh, he's uh, not going to be very happy with that pace. I'm sorry, he finished 13th. Uh, was pole on 13th and finished 13th. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't think he's going to be very happy with that. Um, because, well, quite frankly, you know, he's, he's not where he needs to be. Uh, and he's definitely underperforming over his teammate, who, who is not a four-time world champion. So that has to be weighing heavily on him. Uh, you know, you have to wonder, um, you know, again, did Aston Martin, Martin made a mistake with him, or is it just plainly the car, uh, which we won't know that for a while. Um, but that being said, they really need to get their work cut out for them. I mean, who knows? At this point, you know, do you just sit there and say, okay, we're not going to invest too much more in the car, we're going to be at the bottom of the midfield, and just, you know, top of the back markers and just deal with it and wait till next year? Or do you sit there and still try to put some more effort into trying to break out of this uh, this rut that they're in? Um, we're not, I'm not sure what, what the solution is uh, for them, to be honest with you, uh, but com- with the amount of hype coming into this team, and not just with the rebrand and not just with the drivers, but with the performance they had last year coming into this year, they've, they're the ones who suffered the most. And so that's why they're a bit on the loser column right now just because they can't seem to break out of it uh, another team that's in the loser column is alpha towery uh you know they did have a driver finish in the points with pierre gasly at 10 so he got one point out of it he didn't seem too happy with that i wouldn't be either considering the fact that he just seems to have really bad luck and some of it is self-inflicted so pierre started off the race right off the bat with a five second penalty um which didn't hurt him but it's just not doesn't help him uh, that five second penalty uh came because when he went into uh, the formation lap into the starting grid, he went way past uh, the box, and you know it was automatically tri- triggered by a sensor. I mean, there's no argument with it. It was just pretty much said and done. Um, and it's like those little mistakes there, you know, getting into these little accidents, having these little issues here and there. It seems just just like you know, with him, what he was expecting to do. He had a win last year. He had a lot of great performances last year. This year, he seems to be underperforming, um, and some of it was just stupid, self-inflicted team mistakes or mistakes that he's making i think he's pretty irritated about it uh he needs to do better also alpha tower had a bit of a headache with their with their rookie i, I was pretty high in yuki Sonoda, um and he's kind of you know um how's the best way to say this you know he's definitely aggressive but he may be too aggressive uh you know he's pretty pretty rough on on yelling and screaming at people you know he's pretty upset when things don't go his way and that those things kind of came to head in qualifying where he was pretty upset uh, with the car, um, kind of took his frustrations out on the team to the media. Instead of going to the team, kind of kind of inferring that Pierre Gasly has a great car and he has a uh, has an inferior car. Now we do we do know that, that that happens that they have an A driver, B driver. Sometimes they'll put more effort into the A drivers or they'll give them the updates. Uh, but to go to the media and kind of vent that out there just definitely did not bode well at all. So. He was already on a, a bit of thin ice and did kind of rubbed a, a few people the wrong way with that type of action. Uh, and then the race started and his car promptly turned off. Uh, you know, not his fault. Um, again, this goes back to Alpha Tower making these mistakes. Um, and so, you know, you have to sit there and say, you know, Alpha Tower, they really need to lock these things into place. They need to have a bit of a talk with Sonoda as well, just because, you know, he, he needs to do, a, you know, he, granted, it's good to be aggressive, but, you know, the, 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 the constant losing your cool uh, over every little thing 
that's just not going to be, it's not good. It's not good for the team. It's not good for your race engineer. It's not good for your teammate. Uh, it, you know, representing yourself to the press, it's really not good. It, it's good. It's good to be a competitive guy, no doubt. You know what I mean? You have to, you know, you have to be a bit of a, a shark in, in this sport. But that being said, you, you know, you still need to make sure you're building allies and, and friendships. And so you can need to work on that quite a bit. Um, and so, you know, kind of going into Alpha Tower, like I said, they just need to stop making these these mistakes. And speaking of mistakes, we go to Alpha Romeo. Kimi had an unremarkable race. Um, you know, nothing great, nothing bad. Antonio, I mean, really what happened for him was a really uh, a bad pit stop. It could have been, should have been a lot worse. Uh, he came in uh, to change out his tires, pit stop. Uh, the team went to go put the tires on and... One of the uh, one of the uh, mechanics noticed that the tire was punctured. I've never seen this before. Never seen someone, um, uh, you know, uh, never seen a tire punctured as it was getting put on. Number one, uh, number two, to see the mechanic identify that just by looking at it, which was pretty good. Uh, but that put him in a bad spot because, um, as some of you may not know, um, you know, you, these tires come in sets, so it's not like you could just replace that one. So all four. Tireman had to run back, get a whole new set of tires, bring it back out. He had a really long uh, uh, pit stop. I think it was like 30-plus seconds. Uh, that put him behind the eight ball, and that was it for him. Uh, so, like I said, Alfa Romeo was expecting big things, you know, because, the, you know, pull drivers aren't doing really bad. I mean, their car, they're kind of leading the back marker grid, but, you know, we're expecting to see some performances out of there. I think Antonio's pretty, pretty upset with what's going on, um, especially because it was a self-inflicted wound. Um... Now, moving on to uh, uh, the Williams team, uh, up as an announcer Williams, Nicholas, you know, he, he did okay for being in a Williams, but he also didn't do anything too spectacular. George, on the other hand, uh, was actually racing for the points um, and then kind of, you know, took a strategy to help kind of push him ahead of, uh, push him ahead of the pack. Um, and uh, like I said, he was, he was at 11, he was, tantalizingly close to that uh, championship point he's been trying to get with the Williams team. His only points coming, uh, for those who don't know, when he was a sub with Mercedes for one race last year. Uh, but, yeah, it's been kind of a thing that, you know, with Williams, it'd be cool to see him get a point. And he came tantalizingly close, but uh, close with no cigar. Um, I'm putting him in the win column for this one. I'm putting Williams in, as a team in the win column just because they both, uh, you know, both drivers did, did well considering with what they had. The team did take a risk with their strategy, which I like. Uh, they didn't play conservative. They didn't say, let's just race and see what happens. Uh, you know, they were in it to try to get the best out of both drivers. It didn't work, uh, but that's okay. You know, it, it's good that they did that, and uh, we're kind of glad that that happened. Um, that, but that leads us to our last team. So the Haas team, we don't expect much of them. I'm, I'm, I'm sounding like a broken record. Uh, Mick Schumacher had some really good uh, things going on, good passing, um, you know, he, he seemed to be in the mix when he was in the mix, uh, which is good. And he finished ahead of his teammate again, uh, both qualifying-wise um, and and in the race. Um, and he seems to be doing really well. I mean, if you've been watching these videos, him and his race engineer seem to have a really good relationship. And he seems to be a really good student, absorbing, learning, uh, you know, seems to really be open. Out of all the rookies, he seems to be the one, um, even though his, uh, he might not have the results that Sonoda has, uh, seems to be the one that's um, learning the most. So there's a lot of optimism for him. His teammate, on the other hand, um, you know, we kind of mentioned this at the first episode when we did our um, 
our, our preview for the season. You know, Nikita's had some issues off the track, uh, and he doesn't seem to have them now, even though there was a big movement to have him banned from racing, which wasn't going to happen because his dad has the money that's supplying the team. Uh, but uh, the other th- criticism which I brought up was Nikita was known for having uh, a reputation as a dangerous driver, um, you know, kind of uh, taking unnecessary risks. Um, and, and for those of you who, again, who may be very new, is going, well, it's race car driving, it's supposed to be dangerous. There, You know, there, there's there's a danger element of it, and then there's being reckless. There, there's the fact that you're going to maybe force someone off the road. You know, maybe you're going to sit there and take unnecessary uh, risks. That not only puts the driver of the other car risk, but, you know, people around like the, the road marshals and the safety crews and whoever else. Uh, so Nikita's already been on thin ice last year. And this year, uh, he's had numerous complaints, getting in people's way, impeding progress. He had a grid penalty to start the race, and which was a, which was a joke because he was ready in last place. So, um, you know, he's had numerous complaints. Uh, numerous drivers are coming out the radio, not even hiding the fact that they're mad at him. And uh, this race was actually pretty interesting because you actually got to see a, a first uh, in, in Formula One where you actually got to hear the radio of someone complaining to the race stewards. Toto Wolf, uh, the team principal for uh, Mercedes, uh, was pretty pissed because Lewis, on his way to try to track down uh, um, Max, uh, was impeded uh, by the uh, by uh, Mazepin, who was being lapped. Uh, this is not the first time it's happened to him. So we got to actually hear that for the first time. Uh, it did not go over very well uh, with Mercedes or with everyone else. It obviously gave great content to the rest of the uh, world, but definitely not a good look for Nikita, and he needs to work on that. So as we uh, move on to um, next week, uh, we definitely have a, a, or sorry, next two weeks, we're going to have a, a pretty good uh, a run-up to Monaco. So we're going to do a special one-off show to, with Monaco, and we're going to kind of go over the history. Uh, you know, like I said, it's, it's one of my favorite races. I've gotten to go there, so I'll share some stories from there as well. Uh, should be a great show. Uh, we look forward to having you guys there with it. Uh, and we have a lot of uh, great movement into um, Monaco. I mean, right now we have Lewis in first place. He's 14th points ahead with 94 points ahead of Max, uh, who's in second place. Um, is still within striking distance. Anything can happen. Valtteri has fallen, uh, is in third. You know, he's a bit of a gap uh, between uh, second and third. So Valtteri finds himself in a battle here with Lando and Charles, uh, who are kind of hovering close to him. Sergio and Daniel are kind of sort of also there, but uh, right now it looks like there's a, a good battle for third shaping up in, in the standings. For the constructor standings, uh, Mercedes is clearly ahead, um, and really this is going to be a battle uh, of uh, who's going to end up in third between Ferrari and McLaren. Uh, the other teams have kind of fallen off. Uh, there's no chance really uh, that they're going to come back unless something really dramatic happens. Um, but right now we do have a season, and it's a competitive season, uh, which is good. I know people, again, have been saying it's the same three, but it's how they're racing, which is the important thing. So uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, we have a lot of racing ahead. You know, I think we have 19 races left, quite a few this year, so anything could happen. Uh, but it's going to be a, a great lead-up to one of the most exciting, most prestigious races in motorsports uh, calendar, not just Formula One, Monaco. So we'll talk to you then, and have a great week. This is Jojo Joseph with California One, telling you to have a great week and uh, have a nice day. Bye.